Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. Hello and welcome to a fresh, brand spanking new episode of the Rebuild Podcast. I am Jordan Zerm. I am your host, per usual. Uh, I know some of you were hoping it would not be me, but uh, joke's on you guys. It's me. I'm back. Uh, Fresh off the beaches of southern Florida, minimal tan, multiple burns, your boy is here to bring you another episode of the Rebuild Podcast, which... If you were unaware or have forgotten, you can find on all platforms that you get your podcast from. We've recently been put on Stitcher. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify on iTunes. You can rate the podcast. You can leave a review. You can say fun things like I eat too much avocado toast. So do all of that. Say whatever you want, but rate the podcast. Tell a friend. Uh, to listen, and um, I have a really fun episode today. I say that all the time. I'm trying to figure out a new term outside of like, I'm excited, or this episode's fun, because both of these things are true, but I need a new word. I am thrilled. Ooh, that'll be a good one for today. I am thrilled about today's episode, because I have a really great guest uh, who stirred up Brown's Twitter in a good way a little bit this week. Uh, that which is always the best way to stir up Brown's Twitter because if you stir them up the other way, you may not make it uh, alive to the end of the week to see the premiere of Game of Thrones final season, and nobody wants that. Uh, Mike Clay is a writer for ESPN. He writes about the NFL. He also writes a lot about fantasy football. He is a numbers guru. He is just a smart person in general, and he puts out projections for each team in the 2019 season for both fantasy reasons and just in general. Uh, And his Browns projection came out earlier this week, so you can find everything from uh, how many yards he has Baker Mayfield throwing for, how many touchdowns he has Baker Mayfield throwing for, what Odell Beckham Jr. might do in his first season as a Cleveland Brown, what Kareem Hunt might do in the eight games that he may or may not play for the Cleveland Browns. So a lot of really fun stuff in there, Miles Garrett, sack totals, all that good stuff. And I wanted to talk to him about it. I wanted to know how he comes up with these projections. I wanted to talk to him about some that I thought maybe were a little too high or a little too low or just where his line of thinking comes in on a lot of stuff that he that he put in there. So we had a really fun conversation. Mike was really generous with his time. Talked to me for for 25 or so minutes. So yeah, excited about this episode and excited for you guys to sort of dive in. And if you haven't seen the Browns projections, you can go to his Twitter, which is at MikeClayNFL. Uh, you can also, if you're having trouble finding it, you can just search the hashtag clay projections and you can find the Browns one. He put it together in a nice little one sheet. So it is a good thing to have as we go through this podcast. It's a, um, a little, a prop, a, that accompanies this prop, this podcast that, uh, you can follow along as we talk about it. So, so yeah, Mike Clay, appreciate, uh, him coming on and talking to us about what is going to be a really exciting Brown season. I think most people are pretty, uh, good with his projections a lot of big numbers Uh, Nick Chubb is going to have a really big year under these projections Um, Olivier Vernon going to have a nice time rushing uh, opposite 
Miles Garrett should ha- uh, help his sack total a lot. So a lot of stuff to go over with Mike, and we do so on the Rebuild Podcast. So without further ado, because I know you guys are already tired of me talking, uh, this is my conversation with ESPN's Mike Clay about his projections for the 2019 AFC North Division winning Cleveland Browns. Yeah, just might be. Enjoy. All right. Well, very excited to talk to my next guest here on the Rebuild Podcast. It is Mike Clay. He is an ESPN NFL and, and fantasy writer for for ESPN. Um, really great follow on Twitter in general, but especially when uh, it's time to get going with your fantasy football research. Mike does a lot of really extensive work uh, in that area. And you may have noticed, especially if you're a Browns fan, that uh, one of the coolest things he does is he puts together... Uh, projections for for all of the players, most of the important players offensively and defensively um, for the upcoming season. And uh, you can find all of those if you just search the hashtag Clay Projections. So you can find um, your team. I know you're still kind of going through the entire NFL for the 2019 season, Mike, but um, obviously you released, it's funny because I was going through sort of some of the, you know, just seeing the interactions for some of your, your other projections. And I think you had like 82 responses to your Browns one because Cleveland Browns fans are always insane. Um, and uh, so I wanted to kind of start with you there. But Mike, I did kind of want to ask you um, just, I guess, you know, in simplistic terms too, but how do you sort of, when you're putting these projections together, is it um, is it a formula that you use that you've used for a long time? Is there any of sort of your personal just having watched games and, and your sort of personal analysis that goes into it? How would you say that you kind of come up with these projections? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, first of all, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, you're right about the reaction from Browns fans. And, and this often happens, right? There's a lot of hype. So Browns yeah. Browns fans getting a little, uh, maybe cocky is the word, a little confident <laughs> in this team, a little, you know, no no team is ever valued correctly by the public, right? It's either overrated or underrated. And, uh, you know, last year I was on the Browns, right? I liked them a lot. I thought they'd be a 500 team. And I took a lot of heat for that from colleagues, from uh, the public. That was insane. They had won zero games. There's no way. And uh, that panned out. And, you know, I was kind of on my own on that bandwagon. Well, this year, I'm like, you know, hold on. Pittsburgh's still pretty good. You know, Cleveland's good, but they still have some holes. They're, you know, they're probably looking at, I have them as the favorite to win the division. So I'm still on. But, yeah, you can't, we're at the point now where I can't even be a little low on one player without getting uh, getting ripped to shreds. So, um, yeah, but we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But anyway, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a lengthy process. I mean, we could talk about this for hours, but, um, you know, I'm looking at, at league-wide trends and looking at team trends, co- coaches, coordinators, players, uh, you know, player development as a player goes from year one to two or two to three, uh, all kinds of things. And um, listen, you can't do any a project like this without a, le- a level of subjecti- subjectivity, right? I'm going to have to make some, you know, I can look at the history of Jarvis Landry, for example, and his usage and adjust for other personnel added. But t- to some extent, I have to decide, you know, if I think he's going to get 21% of the targets or 17% of the targets and and who is going to steal that other 4% is it Richard Higgins or uh, Antonio Callaway or Demetrius Harris or you know more throws to the running back you know to some extent you, you can only go so far before you have to use your your common sense or what you know about the league so uh, there's a lot of elements to it it is a long lengthy process that process that takes a while and is constantly 
being tweaked and updated, but I'm pretty happy with the results, and I think they've shown pretty well over the past few years. Yeah, for sure. It obviously um, is very extensive and very kind of enjoyable to kind of go through and, and all the, the depth of it. Um, I, I wanted to kind of just go over with you some of the things that sort of stood out to me about um, the Browns projections that you had, and I guess the obvious place to start is uh, is kind of with the, the head of the offensive snake in Baker Mayfield, and um, kind of looking at, at, at the projections you have for him, you have him throwing for 4,312 yards and, um, you know, jumping up from 27 touchdowns as a rookie to to 31 in year two and um but the most interesting thing to me is and obviously you said you know you continue to tweak these as you go forward but um kind of keeping his interceptions the same at 14 and what's what's interesting to me is like being in Cleveland and sort of hearing the talk about Baker Mayfield and what people sort of expect from him in year two there seems to be a divide almost I think there's people that think that you know, he's going to be more comfortable in this offense with Freddie Kitchens. So a guy that takes chances is going to take more chances. So maybe that interception total goes up a little, a little bit. There's other people that think, um, you know, he's going to be a little more cautious and he's going to get better. So those interceptions are going to go down. I saw somebody, I think, tweet, you know, that they'd be disappointed if his interception stayed at 14. It didn't sort of drop off. So I, I kind of wanted to start there with you. And it's interesting um, to have it sort of right at 14, which is which is what he did last year. Where do you kind of sort of come out when you think about Baker Mayfield and, and those interceptions next season? Yeah, I mean, you look at the history of rookie quarterbacks, uh, interception rate is higher than veterans. I mean, that should not be a surprise by any means, but it, it is the it is the fact of the matter. So I do expect his interception rate to drop. Now, keep in mind, I have him throwing almost 100 more passes, and I have his interception total almost the same. So sure. I do expect that rate to go down uh, just based on the nature of the NFL. And here's the thing, you know, if you start getting up into 17, 18, 19 t- interceptions, you know, that's that's like you're getting bench territory. You know, that that's a problem. So if he if he does start creeping up there, that means that he probably had a, an underwhelming season or disappointed a lot of people. You can't throw, you know, 20 interceptions and have a good season in the NFL. It's it's how many how many times you see that 42 touchdowns, 20 picks. You don't you don't see that because guys that cut down their interceptions will throw more touchdowns because they're sustaining drives. Right. Think about Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers and Pat Mahomes last year. And, you know, the, the guys who are able to keep them in check. I mean, maybe Philip Rivers is. Uh, a good comp here and, and the exception, right? He's had some seasons where he had high interception totals and, and still uh, some pretty good seasons. Similarly, he doesn't do much with his legs either uh, like Mayfield last year. So, you know, we'll, we'll see how it pans out, but I know he takes chances. He's going to get picked off sometimes, but he, you know, I, I think he's a, a very smart quarterback. He's very efficient. He's very accurate. That's a lot, uh, a lot of the reason I liked him and a lot of other people liked him. The Browns liked him coming out last year. So uh, I would not be surprised at all if he ends up a little below my number. And if it's above, again, I think that's you're starting to get into the area where you're a little worried. Yeah, I would agree with you. That makes me think of, um, you know, you talk about somebody who um, has a ton of talent, but the, but the interceptions just, just kill him. And I always think about kind of Jameis Winston and a guy that throws for a ton of yards and, and, and a lot of touchdowns, but that interception total is always kind of creeping up there. And then you sort of look at the success he's had with the Bucks, and that sort of speaks for itself. So I, I definitely think you're kind of spot on that if, yeah, that number sort of approaches even 15, 16, 17, yeah, you might um, be feeling a little less enthused with Baker in year two than year one. Um yeah, kind of wanted to jump now to obviously the the biggest news of the offseason was the Browns trade for Odell Beckham Jr. And you sort of slot him into an offense that, that has a lot of weapons and, and we're f- people here feeling pretty confident about it. And then you put Odell on top of it. And I think it's sort of you, you talked about the hype early on. I think Odell's name has a lot to do with that. And, um, you know, you have him going for 1,244 yards, 10 touchdowns, uh, 146 targets, 92 receptions. Um, and it was interesting because... 
I was going back and looking at sort of, you know, Adele's history. And, and obviously, you can kind of throw out 2017. He only played four games. Um, and even last season, you know, he had he only played 12 games, still eclipsed 1,000 yards, um, six touchdowns. But you look at, obviously, his the biggest years that he has was his first three in the league, um, 2014, 15, and 16. Um, each year, you know, nearly 1,400 yards in, in each of those. Obviously, 2015 went over 1,400, 12 touchdowns, 13, and, and, and 10, respectively. So... Uh, I'm interested to kind of ask you about that. Yeah, I think a, a lot of the line of thinking is, well, you know, you reunite him with a with a quarterback, or I shouldn't say reunite, but you you put him with a quarterback that um, throws the deep ball and throws it well, and sort of has a penchant for for throwing it deep, and then you sort of think about Freddie Kitchens and and Todd Munkin and their sort of. Uh, enjoyment and and pension for for throwing the ball deep. Um, I think some of the responses you got too were like, "Oh, that seems low for Odell Beckham Jr. and, and this sort of quarterback um, that he might be playing with." So, just how did you kind of get to to Odell? And although obviously twelve forty four and ten touchdowns would, it, I'll, I'll take that for a Browns receiver any day of the week. Um, did you feel that you got so, sort of an overwhelming response of people thinking it was too low? No, I've got both. Okay. Um, I, I've had people saying it's too high and others saying it's too low. Some people think it's a new offense and he's been hurt the past two seasons. There's no way he can get to these numbers or that he'll see that target share. Other people think it's too low because, like you said, it's the name Odell Beckham Jr. So um, I think I'm pretty comfortable with where I am. I mean, his target share, uh, the, the target share I have him with is a little bit below where he was uh, during his best years with the Giants. Um, statistically, it is below where he was his first three seasons in the NFL. But even before last year, I was predicting him to come back down to earth. I wrote a whole article breaking it down, uh, going through why Beckham was unlikely to sustain, especially his touchdown pace. But uh, statistically, where he was was just not something you would expect him to keep up uh, long term. And again, it was mostly focused on touchdowns, but it gets into kind of, you know, numbers and, and why Again, Beckham for would be an example. Um, the Chiefs' offense last year, with the level they were at, is unsustainable. Things like that. It kind of kind of sure. breaks all that down. So, um, you know, his rate stats kind of coming down a bit. Uh, not not particularly surprising. I mean, he had, just look at last year. He played in twelve games. It's a pretty good sample. Uh, again, his efficiency about where it was in twenty sixteen. Certainly down from his first two years, where he was kind of through the roof. Uh, but eight and a half yards per target, that's right where I have him projected this season. 13.7 yards per reception. I have him at 13.6, almost the same thing. 62% catch rate. Let's drive him at 63% with a better quarterback. So, again, I'm not that far off in those departments. It really just comes down to volume. I have him at, you know, he, last year he was on a 15-game pace of 96, one, uh, 13, 15, and uh, eight touchdowns. I have him at 92, 12, 44, and 10. I mean, it's I'm a little maybe a little optimistic on the touchdown number there. But again, as we've seen with Todd Monken in Tampa Bay, and as we saw with Freddie Kitchens last year, this is an offense that has scored, uh, is likely to score a lot of their touchdowns through the air, maybe three quarters of them. That's about the rate these guys were at um, in, in previous seasons. So uh, that's why the touchdowns come in a little high. But otherwise, I'm, pr- I'm pretty comfortable. And remember, this is a 15 game projection. So I am I am docking him a little bit for missed time. Uh, he's only played one 16 game season so that's factored in here as well yeah for sure and you know it's funny I think people see this on paper and they're like ah he should be doing more than that but then I think if if they watch if those are the numbers that Odell is going to put up in this offense and I think on a you know he's getting in the end zone almost on a weekly basis I think uh, I think people are going to be pretty thrilled with that so I think there's a difference between kind of seeing it on paper and sort of you know, thinking about your own projections and what you would like it to be, and then it actually happening during a season. And um, I think that's going to make, <laughs> that might make a huge difference for Browns fans. 
All right, I wanna take a break from my conversation with Mike to tell you about one of our sponsors, that is Ethos Life Insurance. Life can be stressful, as we all know, but getting life insurance should not be. That's why there's Ethos. Ethos is a modern kind of life insurance that's super fast, incredibly affordable, and very uncomplicated. At getethos.com, there's no medical exams for policies covering under a million dollars. There's no hours of paperwork or awful meetings with pushy representatives. It only takes 10 minutes to apply, and you can rest assured knowing you've taken steps to protect your family. And in most cases with Ethos, you can have that peace of mind for less than a cup of coffee a day with no hidden fees. Having life insurance can free you from stress, but getting life insurance should not be the cause of it. So discover how uncomplicated life insurance can be at Ethos. Get your free instant quote and submit your complete application in just minutes. All you have to do is go to getethos.com. That's E-T-H-O-S, getethos.com. Once again, that's getethos.com. Now back to my conversation with ESPN's Mike Clay. I think the most pushback you got uh, in terms of just responses was obviously uh, Kareem Hunt. And I think he obviously and probably had to be one of the harder guys to sort of project, not only because um, he'll only be appearing in, in eight games um, if he if the suspension and everything holds up and, and the Browns play him when he is available to kind of, you know, come off that they play him right away. Um, but also the sort of situation with Duke Johnson and, whether or not Duke's going to be on the roster, and if he is, how often they're going to use him. I think that's been one of the harder things for for me watching the Browns, just trying to figure out on a, a week-to-week basis how they were going to use Duke Johnson um, because they've always sort of struggled to get him the, the I think, correct amount of touches that maybe he deserved in the in, since he's been with the Browns. So uh, there was some pushback about you have him with, with 50 rushing attempts, 186 yards, two touchdowns, and then the receiving game, just uh, nine receptions, 90 yards, and a touchdown. So I think that the response is a lot of people were sort of um, kind of shocked by how low that was. But, you know, you kind of talked about how the share between these the stable of running backs they they have it's going to be tough uh, especially when he's missing eight games and obviously this will change if Duke Johnson is gone but just kind of talk about your your thought process with, with Kareem and how you got to some of these totals yeah absolutely and I think this is an example of why sometimes you need to sit down and, and put this on paper right so um, you know again if you're going to say oh I think Beckham's too low well then who are you taking away touches from or where's the adjustment, right? You can't just have everyone make the pro bowl, right? right. Like, <laughs> right. like there's only so many balls to go around in an offense. And honestly, in terms of plays per game and, and uh, targets that are available, I'm actually high compared to where the kitchen's offense was last year. They were kind of low in plays. I've kind of uh, gone closer to league average. So, um, you know, maybe I'm even a little optimistic there, but nonetheless, um, this, this is another example of that. You know, if you want to take, if you want to take, or excuse me, if you want to add touches to Kareem Hunt for those final eight games, you better have somebody to take them away from. And, and you know, I, I kind of followed up on my projection and I showed what the touch split is for weeks, you know, from the, during the final eight games. And those touch totals, again, that's carries and receptions, is 131 for Chubb, 59 for Hunt, and 27. So that's still a pretty low number there for Duke Johnson. But still, you have 131 to 59. That is not a big per week difference. Okay. You know, you have that, that's Chubb getting a little over, you know, a little over double what hunt is getting. So we're talking like say eight touches a game for hunt and maybe 15, you know, somewhere in that area, like 15, 16 for Chubb and then say seven or eight for Kareem hunt, especially considering he may not be with the team for two months, or if he is, he's obviously going to be inactive. He's not going to be playing. Uh, I don't think that's bold by any means. I would not expect him to come in and get 15 touches in his first game or even be close to Chubb for a while. Maybe over the final four weeks, 
maybe if they're resting Chubb for a game or two late in the season, if they're if they're comfortably in the in the lead for the division, which is is probably a long shot if we're being honest here. Still work to do on the roster. They're not a you know a team likely to go uh, fourteen and two or anything like that. But I think this is completely fair to give him about eight touches a game during the, those games. And and again, if you're if you're going to give him more, you better take away from Chubb. And if you're taking away from Chubb, then you don't like Chubb very much. You you think that this guy is a committee back with Greenman. I don't think that's the case. I think they're committed to him as the feature back, and he should be in that, we'll say, 14 to 16 touch range every game, even when Kareem Hunt's back. You know, if they re-sign Hunt, and maybe things change in 2020, it's possible, especially if his efficiency drops off. But uh, I think this is totally fair. And by the way, this includes Duke Johnson. So if Johnson is traded in, in the coming weeks, things will change. Hunt's projection will certainly be higher. Yeah, most yeah. definitely. And I, I think you're right about Chubb, too, who uh, a guy that, um, you know, almost almost eclipsed a thousand yards playing, you know, the games he did play in early on, barely getting more than a couple rushes per game. So um, I think obviously Nick Chubb is sort of poised for a big year, too. And I think you your your projections reflects that as well. And um, so I'm kind of with you there on on the, the kind of splits with Nick and Kareem. You want to you don't want to do what the Browns did early on in the season, which was just sort of ignored Nick Chubb. And then as soon as they sort of integrated him more into the offense after they traded Carlos Hyde especially you kind of saw what kind of player he was and I think that the expectations are pretty high for him for year two as they should be I think he showed enough to kind of deserve that um wanted to kind of flip over the defensive side of the ball and just touch on um a couple of the projections you have for so Miles Garrett we have him at, at just about 10 sacks, and I think he had 13 and a half last year. But obviously the Browns brought in Olivier Vernon uh, from the New York Giants, and, and you have him sort of projected uh, with eight sacks, which I think the second highest sack total in the Browns last year was Larry Ogunjobi, who had five and a half. So um, Olivier Vernon kind of, you know, will, will probably be the best edge rusher opposite Miles Garrett uh, that they've had, obviously, since Miles Garrett was drafted by the Browns. But um, that sack total dropping a little bit, is that pretty much just a result of bringing in a guy like Olivier Vernon, who who is going to be able to get his own kind of sack total in a way that maybe other guys around Miles Garrett haven't been able to before? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a couple things. I mean, first of all, a little bit of uh, conservative nature in the sack department. So he had a 1.4% sack rate last year. I've met 1.26, which is, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this now as I'm, as I'm talking, um, which is still, I mean, you're looking at edge rushers, that's still well above the, the, uh, edge rusher sack rate, which is under 1%. So uh, again, I know people can't really compare those across the league. It's not a, it's not a common number like completion percentage, but right. uh, nonetheless, it's uh, it's well above league average. So again, a little bit of a conservative nature. Certainly um, having Vernon there will take off some of that load on the other side. And uh, the other thing, again, without, again, I'd have to kind of dig into this a little bit to, to say this for sure, but obviously schedule would, would have an impact, right? If, if it's just so playing uh, a lot of teams who have quarterbacks that don't get sacked much, you know, you think about if you're playing, uh, you know, New England or back in the, you know, the Denver and Indianapolis days of Peyton Manning or Drew Brees. I mean, you know, guys that at times just don't take sacks very often. You saw that actually with Cleveland in the second half last season. If a, an edge rusher was facing them, you know, their their uh, sack projection was going to be lower because sure. of the, the opposition. So, again, I'd have to dig into that before I could give you a, the full answer there. But, um, you know, I have him at 81% of the snaps. You know, actually, that's probably a little bit of it, too. I have him down a little bit in terms of his snap share. We saw him playing a massive role early last season, and that kind of dropped off in the second half. They got smarter, right? There was no reason to be running him into the ground last season. You just don't see edge rushers play that often. 
Uh, so I did take away some snaps, uh, again, as they adjusted down the stretch and with Vern kind of taking on some of that workload. And, and of course, they want to work Avery in as well in, into the mix there. So, um, you know, it's, it's just a combination of a bunch of things. But, you know, it's still going to be one of the highest sack numbers in, in the league. You have to be conservative with that kind of thing. It's just it's tough to get to double digit sacks. I still think he'll get there. But, uh, you know, again, it, you have to be conservative. So I think that's a, a fair number. Again, it will be one of the, the, the top numbers in the league. For sure. Um, cool. And, and Mike, just to kind of finish up with you here, it, it's really, it's crazy to look at, um, you know, you have sort of the, the win probability for, for every week for the Browns. And it, it really is sort of stunning to look at, um, you know, how many games that, you know, I think all but um, three, maybe they have, they, they have less than, uh, in, in those three, they have less than uh, 50% chance of, of win probability. And I think you have them with the fifth kind of easiest schedule in the NFL. It, it feels like, a you know, outside of um, the Rams and outside of uh, New England um, and, and a couple of tough games against Pittsburgh and Baltimore kind of on the road at, at the end of the season, things sort of, and you could look at at Seattle as well, though they'll have Seattle at home, so maybe they've got a bit of an advantage uh, there. It, it it really is fascinating to see um, you know the Browns be be favored, have this schedule that sort of sets up nicely for them. You've got them projected win total at nine point four, and I believe the uh, initial over under uh, that Vegas set was was right at nine. Um, and I think you have them. You obviously you have them the favorite to win the AFC North, and I think in your initial predictions you have them sort of facing off against. The Kansas City Chiefs in the wild card round, which would just be an incredible. I'm drooling over that matchup already. I think that would be <laughs> incredibly fun. So, just overall, when you're when you're looking at this Browns team, and obviously you have, you know, I just kind of rattled off your projections for them. But just from you, your sort of overall view of this Browns season and um, sort of where their where their ceiling is for this team in 2019. Yeah, I mean, I think they have a massive ceiling. I still have some concerns on the roster. You know, is Denzel Ward going to be healthy and take a step forward? Do they have enough depth there? Are they content with their linebackers? I know they weren't going into the offseason, but they weren't able to address that yet. Uh, so we're going to see more, uh, you know, of, of Schobert and Kirksey playing a big role. Safety, you know, they bring in Morgan Burnett. Uh, can he bounce back to his Packers days back, back there opposite Randall? That's a question mark. You know, interior defensive line, you know, that's a that's a potentially lethal duo inside with Ogunjobi and, and Richardson. You know, will they step up their game after, you know, they both kind of underwhelmed a little bit last season, I thought. Um, you know, but potentially, you know, a lot of talent there. Obviously, they could take a step forward. The edge rush is great. So, you know, there's a lot of question marks across the defense, but there's also a lot of potential there as well. Um, offensive, uh, Offensively, the, the raw talent is overwhelming, right? You know, we talked about Baker and his interceptions and, doesn't do much with his legs, but his passing efficiency is terrific. They have great running backs, a, an outstanding wide receiver group. They have Njoko and Harris, a tight end. You love the skill guys. But I, I still have some concerns about, concerns about the O-line, right? I mean, how good is Austin Corbett? Can he replace Zeitler and at least be, you know, a, a decent starter as opposed to a star like like Zeitler was? You're good at left guard and center. But I, I'm still concerned about the, the uh, tackles here. You know, Chris Hubbard's okay. Greg Robinson, I'm not buying in on yet. I need to see it longer i need to see him be effective over a, a long span of time uh so i definitely have uh some concerns about the tackle spot there uh, on the o-line and again at, at some spots in the defensive side uh, but again you know to, to kind of answer you know your your question there you know i think there is enough raw talent here that if things go their way and they stay healthy they can push for 11 wins maybe they you know things go their way unlike last year when things pretty much never went their way and they get to 12 wins so um, it, it's possible. There's big upside. I think they're probably 
a year away and, and have some voids to fill um, before they can really make that run at, you know, a team like New England uh, or perhaps the Chargers or Kansas City. Some, you know, the Chargers and, and Patriots, I would say, are more well-rounded teams right now, but uh, they're getting there. And, you know, now 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 it starts the challenge, the real challenge for John Dorsey. You know, he has had a lot of assets to work with. He was set up beautifully when he came in. He's used them. To, he's had the flexibility to do what he wants pretty much because of those assets. But now, you know, they've used up the cap space. They don't have a first-round pick this year. They don't right. have quite the assets now. And they have some money locked into some, some personnel. So uh, we'll see if he finds ways to fill those voids in the coming years or if they're going to peak out in terms of raw ras- roster talent this year. We've seen that before. We've seen it with recent teams. We've seen Oakland, for example, and Jacksonville spike. And then they just they, they, they peak for that one year but they don't do enough to improve and then they fall apart. So we'll see if, uh, if uh, Baker and, and, and Dorsey and Freddie and these guys can put uh, a long stretch of strong play together here. Yeah, most definitely. The, the rebuild is certainly over and it is uh, moving into the, uh, the next right. step. So uh, Mike, thank you so much for joining me again. Follow Mike on Twitter. He is at Mike Clay NFL. Um, if you want to check out any of his other projections outside of the Browns, like the Ravens, anybody else in the AFC North that you're interesting, just, uh, just search the hashtag Clay projections and you'll be able to find it. Uh, Mike, really appreciate, appreciate all the insight, man. This was fun. And uh, thank you so much. Anytime. Thanks a lot.